This is the John Oakley Show podcast. And away we go. Here it is. It's a great day for talk radio. It's also a day where we find out if we're getting value for money provincially. And the Auditor General's just come out with her annual report. 15 programs examined. Let's unpack and see what she found. Bonnie Lissick is with us on the line. Bonnie, good to have you here on the Oakley Show. Good afternoon. Well, thank you for the invitation. Well, all right. Uh, 15 programs examined. Can we quantify? Uh, is that what it's about? Uh, the total waste? Is there a number figure you can attach to it? You know, no, we haven't really, we haven't uh, pulled all the reports together in that way and came up with a total. Each report is pretty unique, and so uh, embedded in the reports, we talk about um, spending and savings. All right. Would you say, though, uh, just roughly guessing that there are multi-millions in efficiencies to be found? I would say there's millions, yes. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So uh, do you consider your findings typical of government in general or extraordinary this time around? Um, you know, this report, I think, um, points, I mean, again, each time we do audits, we have certain topical areas, so it's really hard to generalize. But I think this year what we saw is that there are certain organizations that have specific mandates that we think, um, you know, could be doing more to achieve their mandate. Uh, as well, we looked at certain audits where money is paid out, and we think there's additional checks that could be done on eligibility or Sometimes money's paid out and it should be collected, and there's work to be done on collection. So they each come with sort of different nuances. Well, you mentioned eligibility. Let's look at Ontario Works, for example. Uh, you say overpayments of $730 million were made. 76% of the payments going to people who are no longer Ontario Works recipients. Is that right? 76%? Um, I wouldn't say, well, I would, no, that I would say overall what we found is that there are um, people that, uh, in terms of eligibility, that the eligibility needs to be checked further to make sure that they're entitled to receive monies. Um, the turnover on the program is a lot lower than it, uh, higher than it used to be. It took 19 months to uh, get somebody off of the program and potentially back to work. Now it's three years. And uh, about 10 to 13% of the clients um, actually find work that are on Ontario Works. So we think the program needs to be looked at to be improved so that the original purpose of it and getting people back to work and not continuing to, you know, provide provide funding um, needs to be needs to be strengthened. In other words, uh, it's inefficient. Uh, we're not getting full value for the money. That's right. There are people that perhaps uh, could be, if they were connected to the right services, be, be back to work. There are also about 36% of people uh, receiving Ontario Works that have mental health issues and that are homeless. And so they perhaps require a different type of attention. So is your report instructive to, uh, I guess, tighten the thing, uh, tighten the ship and make sure uh, we are getting bang for our buck? I mean, is that really the takeaway from this report? Um, that's correct. I think we're, we're saying that when there's mandates for certain organizations, they should be um, evaluated to make sure they're achieving their mandates because when they're not achieving their mandates, that costs money. Um, there's other organizations that are providing services and that it's always good to revisit what they're doing, again, to make sure that only eligible people are receiving the, the monies that they're to be provided or that if uh, suppliers are paid, they're being paid the right amount. All right. Again, with Bonnie Lissick, the Auditor General, whose uh, report came out earlier today, and there are some interesting findings. Metrolinks, let's look at that. Uh, over $436 million in sunk and additional costs 
between 2009 and 2018 uh, because this was also uh, dysfunctional to a certain extent. Those, that's my word, by the way, uh, but that's a lot of money. Yeah, there's a number of components that went into that. I mean, I think uh, part of it, there was a, a settlement um, on the Eglinton Crosstown that was negotiated with a P3 partner where it cost another $237 million to have the consortium keep themselves on time and on budget. Yeah, they settled um, a lawsuit. Um, it was a claim. It was a claim uh, citing that Metrolinks contributed to them their their delays. Um, it was negotiated. Our issue with that is we were looking for some really documented proof as to um, you know why Metrolinks would have to pay 237 million. But again, it was a negotiated settlement. So we a uh, hundred million of that is to make sure that the consortium keeps on time, and if they're late, Metrolinks would pay back, collect back the money. So it was a bit of an advance incentive payment in there. Can you ever dial it back to, uh, say, a person or uh, a certain area, you know, uh, managerial that is responsible for this stuff? Do you do that name and shame kind of thing? Um, not generally. I mean, I think, you know, um, Usually, we, there's leadership in the organization. So when we clear our reports, we those are the people that we're talking to, and we're saying, you know, your organization needs to improve, needs to make these types of changes. So um, some of them have boards. We've talked to boards. Uh, the TSSA board is they've been very receptive to the report. It was a pretty strong report on TSSA where we said, um, you know, you're not meeting your mandate. Uh, in that case, they've assumed responsibility and are making changes. Well, when you've got, what, 80% of the elevators uh, are not up to code, I think that should get people's attention, shouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we were surprised to see uh, that. We also noted that it's it's increasing, right? That is, it's been steadily increasing. So um, the risk there is, um, I mean, they do close down elevators when they're dangerous, but the risk here is that if maintenance isn't done on a regular basis, these elevators don't operate well, so they might not be level uh, when they stop, and you know people could tumble. Um, the doors might close if you've got seniors. That that obviously there could be injury there. So it is important that these things get addressed. Well, and it's important that you're doing the work you're doing to uh, maybe you know with oversight. Uh, and this is where I wanted to get back to something you just said a moment or two ago. In in certain cases, leadership uh, can lead to say. Uh, the distortion of value for money. Let's take a look back at Metrolinks and the case of these two new GO stations uh, in Vaughan, uh, the Kirby Stop and Scarborough, part of, well, Lawrence East, I think that was uh, Mayor John Tory's uh, fast track program. The other one has to do with Transportation Minister Stephen Del Duca. He was insistent on getting that thing built, would you say? Um, well, we when, in our report, we basically indicate that um, the there was influence from the Minister of Transportation, the City of Toronto, to have Kirby and Lawrence each, each uh, East stations built and put forward um, into the in sooner plans than later. And so um, Metrolinks, in trying to accommodate that, um, affected their own business case analysis, which originally had said those two stations should be delayed, um, modified it, and uh, went with those two stations. And what we're saying is the minister under the legislation could have issued a ministerial directive, so a letter that basically says we want you to, you know, put the station into the queue and work on it. Um, instead, you know, that wasn't there. So the decision-making around this, this 
wasn't transparent, and that's that's how we're reporting the issue, that it, it could have been more transparent, there could have been accountability with a minister. Instead, it wasn't transparent, and it wasn't until it started being spoken about in the media that um, there was more of an awareness of, of the Kirby, how the Kirby station was put forward. All right, and so in a lot of instances, uh, decisions are getting made not uh, because there's value for money, but for political reasons, would you say? In this particular case, uh, the original business case indicated that um, the Kirby and Lawrence Street station would, in fact, uh, not be the stations to be put forward right away. Uh, they would, in fact, slow down the service and end up costing more money because riders would switch back to their cars or, um, you know, so the, the system effect of the uh, would be more expensive. Uh, and then you've got the issue of free tuition, which was promised during uh, the last campaign, and it seems, well, and when it was implemented, it was found to be uh, perhaps porous and as to who would qualify and how much money would actually have to be spent. Did you find that? Well, what we found is that as the costs are going up, um, and it's only the first year with the changes, but what we noted is that the uh, the uh, enrollment didn't increase. So the whole objective behind providing more funding to people that might not otherwise be going to university would be that you'd expect enrollment to go up as well. But what instead happened is people who were receiving loans before now are getting non-repayable grants. And what we did see is they expanded the um, access to it. So if somebody was, um, let's say, 23 years old and living with their parents at making a million dollars, their parents making a million dollars, they would still be eligible for Ontario Works because their parents' income aren't ta- isn't taken into account in determining their eligibility for OSAP. I'm just thinking, you know, a lot of this report, uh, it could be preemptive if we got ahead of uh, the spending spree and you advised or they took you into their council. But we know in the last Liberal government, for example, they disputed your findings when it even came to the deficit. Uh, What do you say the deficit is or was in the last fiscal year? Well, I think in in terms of March 31st, 2018, uh, the current government made corrections to the finances, so they correctly recorded uh, pension expense and uh, wrote down the assets, and they correctly affected the accounting for the Fair Hydro Plan. So what is publicly reported in those statements? Uh, I issued a clean opinion, and we're supportive that the right thing was done and that those numbers are accurate. Are you confident that uh, there's going to be greater transparency going forward now? Because I know uh, there was another issue when it came to government spending on advertising. The rules had been changed uh, to remove this transparency. Where do we stand with all of that now? Because I think there was like 62 plus, 62.5 million that the government of Kathleen Wynne had spent on advertising. Right. So, um, yeah, we reported this year that around $62 million was spent during the previous 12 months, and, and, and there's about half of that that we would say had more of a partisan flavor to it, and that under our old act, we wouldn't have approved, but, um, you know, we issued a compliance with legislation opinion, and, and so um, there's about half of that that we wouldn't have approved if the legislation was the original legislation. You know, it's funny because last night uh, my partner had to go and get her MRI at the hospital, but it was 2 o'clock in the morning. And you also cite that the timeliness of MRIs and CAT scans in hospitals uh, are something to be taken into account as well. What did you have to say on that front? 
Um, there's a couple of things. Like, I mean, there was a positive that in comparison to the rest of Canada, or not the rest, but six other provinces that measure their wait times, um, Ontario's really the best. Um, that's in terms of, you know, emergency, urgent cases. And even on the other ones, um, the targets that are set in Ontario are a little bit tougher, a little bit more stringent. So the expectations are a little higher for uh, getting an MRI or a CT scan. Having said that, um, the MRIs and CT scans aren't being done in accordance with the targets. And so there are substantial delays for people that are considered semi-urgent or non-urgent. And depending on where you live in Ontario... Um, you know, if you want an MRI, it could take anywhere from 63 to 203 days. If you want a CT scan, it could take anywhere from 27 to 127 days. Um, so this is very much, um, you know, whether you're classified as a semi-urgent or non-urgent, and also where you live in Ontario will make a difference. So, like in in terms of Canada, in terms of Ontario, Ottawa is a very the wait lists are very high in Ottawa. And if there was more sharing of information, even within Ottawa itself or throughout Ontario, people might be redirected to centres where they could obtain their MRI and CT faster. All right. And so your findings also come with recommendations. Are you confident that the Ford government, uh, where he says at least on budgetary matters or uh, the deficit, uh, will accept your numbers? Uh, Will the rest of your recommendations, are you confident, be taken to heart? Yeah, I mean, we're going forward the same way as an office. We've always gone forward for, you know, uh, the, since the office's existence, we'll put forward recommendations. We'll follow up on those recommendations in two years to see the progress in implementing them. And then after that, we follow up every year until a recommendation is implemented. So we will follow our nor- normal process um, so that, you know, there's positive change happening. Well, you know, it's uh, great work, and uh, I really appreciate you coming on and explaining some of the salient points and how you came about these uh, findings. So uh, look forward to talking again sometime in the future. Yes, same here. Thank you very much. I thank you. Bonnie Lissick, again, is the Auditor General in the province, and uh, what she found was not value for money in 15 of these files that she examined. So then the question becomes, does this report give permission, I'll use that term in quotations, to Doug Ford? Uh, to find $6 billion in efficiencies, as he stated, in the run-up to the last election. He said there's fat in the system, there are inefficiencies, and the critics just leapt all over him saying you can't do it without cutting programs. Uh, well, she seems to have found that if you tighten the ship, maybe you're not spending as profligate uh, a manner. Uh, so is this something that you believe Doug Ford can act on these recommendations? Can he find these $6 billion in efficiencies without cutting uh, within the public service? Or will this justify certain cuts? Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.